Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Always delighted to talk to our next guest, the sports anchor over at CBS News Colorado. You can follow her over on Twitter, Romy underscore Bean. Romy Bean joins us. Uh, Romy, the, obviously the, the Nuggets right now are the story. Let's start there. No DeAndre Ayton tonight. The expectation, we know there will be no Chris Paul. There may not be a Jamal Murray, non-COVID illness. We also know around the NBA there's sort of some kind of stomach bug going around. Who knows? But uh, this feels also to the extent with, uh, Aiton, who had one of his better games in the series, missing the game tonight, presumably with what's called a rib contusion, a bruised rib. Uh, it feels a little bit as if Phoenix is, if not rolling over, understanding that maybe the cards have already been dealt. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where, uh, you know, it's not ideal, but, you know, backs against the wall. Back, this is why I love elimination games. Anything can happen. It's interesting that DeAndre isn't out, but, like, to be perfectly honest, I don't think he has been a game-changer in this series, which is really interesting. I think this was his opportunity to step up and show he can go up against Nikola Jokic and put his name on the stage, and I think he is he is underwhelmed. That being said, you know, Jock Randall's given him great minutes, but to have him, you know, trying to guard Jokic from the jump, that is a tall task for a reserve player. So while Aiton maybe hasn't brought a ton to the table – that's that's tough. That's a tough loss for them, and it's one of those things where you feel even more so for the Nuggets. Get it done. Get it done tonight. This is a huge opportunity. If Aiton's out, if Chris Paul's still out, try to get it done. It's remarkable. Again, we can talk about all kinds of storylines in these playoffs regarding the Nuggets, who seem to be the most complete team, um, at least in the sense that they are the only playoff team that has not yet been blown out. They've lost three road games, haven't lost at home, lost three on the road, but they were all single-digit losses. Uh, one was an overtime loss in Minnesota even. Uh, so they've only lost two regulation games, and both of those were um, not double-digit losses and no way could either be described as a blowout. Uh, the leadership style of Jokic, I think in some ways, is as impressive as his on-court production seems to be. He has really evolved into a leader, hasn't he? Oh, I mean, he's just incredible. It is. It is. Every night, right, is just an absolute master class when you see what you see on the court. But to that end, it really is. And what he does off the court, he doesn't get flustered. He even talked about it last game, right? He didn't like how he started. It wasn't a great start finishes with a triple-double and breaks Wilt Chamberlain's record, no big deal. But the way he, he doesn't get flustered if he has a bad start, he's so steady, he's so even-keeled, you really can't ask much you know, more from a leader like that. And, and when he does get frustrated, we saw him in Phoenix getting frustrated on the bench, right? It carries people, listen, you sure listen when he gets mad because he's not yelling and screaming. I think his calming energy is so big for this team, this team that has such high, high dreams, but as we know, KCP is the only one who's been there. But Jokic acts like he's been there. Um, and he is, can just steady the team no matter what's going wrong. When Phoenix kind of blew up in the, in the second quarter, there's no panic in that team. And that comes from Jokic. That comes from his mentality. You don't always have guys, right, the best player on the team being your strongest leader. Uh, more often than, than not, you don't, I think. We can look and anyway, you can look at, at Nathan McKinnon. You can look at Von Miller when he was in Denver, right? The best player on the team is not, not always 
your best leader, the Nuggets are privileged that they have that in Nikola Jokic. And, and Romy, last year, and it's a really good observation you made, because last year I would have made the argument that while Nikola Jokic is undoubtedly the best player and one of the leaders, I'd said it quite frankly for the, even the year before, the last two years, that really if you're looking for the guy, the, the, the fiery guy that hates to, to lose more than he loves to win, that to me was Jamal Murray. And Jamal Murray is still that guy, but at the same time, I see what you're saying. Nikola Jokic has sort of embodied all of that now, and, and I honestly cannot recall. I mean, I remember watching... This guy come in as as a second round pick. Uh, I, I I remember literally uh, helping him load garbage cans full of hockey sticks. Working with the Precious Child Charity outside of of a then Pepsi Center, uh, putting those together for charity because the the Nuggets sent some of the rookies out there to do that. And to watch that guy turn into this guy has been the most remarkable transformation I've seen in Colorado sports history. I mean, you, you've seen uh, players that have come into Colorado and be great. You've seen John Elway come in from rookie year and be great. But I don't know if we've ever seen as self-made a superstar and, and Nikola Jokic ever in this state. I, I completely agree. I think absolutely. He is, he is the anti-superstar in every way. I think that's why... Uh, you know, people talk about maybe the league not giving him an, enough credit. Not, you know, he doesn't because he's just not into that. He's not sitting there whining, complaining about not being an MVP. He's, he does. He told us right that when he retires, he's only going to have a phone so he can watch uh, horse racing on, on YouTube. He's not exactly. Interested. Exactly. He's the anti superstar. You just never see this. It's, he's he's an anomaly. He's so humble. It's just incredible. He is truly one of a kind. And like you said, I don't think we'll ever see someone like Jokic again in terms of what he can do on the court and the way he is off the court. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, what we somewhat sarcastically refer to as the greatest day in sports, which is now the release of the mm. NFL schedule, <laughs> uh, which is coming later this afternoon. Obviously, Maybe, we know but it's not spoiled already on the that the Broncos are playing the Chiefs twice, the Raiders twice, the Chargers twice. And otherwise, Cleveland, Green Bay, Minnesota, New England, the Jets and Washington at home, Buffalo, Chicago, Detroit, Houston, and Miami on the road. Uh, is there anything in your mind that would change whatever your impression is now of the Broncos by, let's say, 5 p.m. this afternoon or 6 p.m. at the latest? When the schedule comes out, is there anything that would fundamentally change your view of the Broncos based on the sequence of games they'll play against those teams? Oh, no. I mean, I think it's <laughs> um, this. This is the funniest day of the year because everybody gets so excited. Folks, we have known who they're playing since January. Yeah, exactly. We have a sense of what this exactly. team looks like since free agency in the draft. That's right. But it is that. I think that this day, honestly, is more for the fans that want to book their travel, that are picking that away game that they want to go to, that Broncos fans yeah, that live out of state that yeah. want to – like, I get – you know, that's, that, that for me is the reason I guess you get excited about about today. But it doesn't change, and I don't think it ever has changed, the, the timing of the games for me doesn't change what I think the product will look like against any of those teams, right? And, and it's, I think what will be interesting is the number of primetime games um, I'll tell you, I've seen the schedule, and it's more than I expected. Um, 
which is, is interesting. But, you know, outside of that, when you look at, I think when you can look at, especially in division, nothing, the, the dates and times aren't necessarily going to change. For me, the output, I was looking with one of my coworkers yesterday and we were talking through making our kind of season predictions. Whenever they play the Chiefs, I think they're going to split the series this year, guys. It doesn't matter to me if they play them in December or they play in September. I think they split the series. Well, yeah, it's. I, I think it does go hand in hand. I, I'm, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but until and unless they beat Kansas City at least once in a season, it's hard to take them seriously. No, oh, I mean, absolutely. It's in the division period. I mean, they haven't had a winning record in the division since, I think, 2018, um, I, I believe. And so, since 2018... 2015. Since 2015, they haven't had a winning record. Right. Since they last made the playoffs. Right. 2018, they went 500. My bad. Um, Yeah. So they haven't had a winning record in the division since since 2015, right? And so you're absolutely right. You got to beat Kansas City once. You got to, honestly, maybe maybe sweep the Raiders at this point, but you got to beat everybody at least once, but mostly Kansas City. Nobody's taking you seriously until you can actually beat the Chiefs and beat them convincingly. When I say convincingly, it can be a tight game, but I mean, you got to outplay them, right? You do, and uh, I, I, I give you credit. You're actually the, the first person that's ever given me a good reason to even care about the schedule. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Maybe some people are looking to, to book trips. Okay, and uh, okay, thank you. So, so you found a use out of it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's really just resume-building time for all the club's social media personnel. And uh, I mean, what that's, what that's yeah. really well, what that's, I, I, that's the way I feel it, right? I, it's like To me, it's like Super Bowl commercials. I wait until the next day. Because I'm sorry, during Super Bowl, I'm not watching commercials. I am housing like uh, chips and stuff. But uh, the I look at the schedule release, and I'll just tomorrow uh, I'll find out which of the half dozen funny ones were the best, and then I'll just watch those. Oh well, you know, for me, it's two things. It's a tip of the cap to the NFL because they have the most brilliant marketing in the world. The fact that they have a schedule release, we have a Nuggets game six tonight, and there's you know the NBA is in the midst of a crucial point in their playoffs, and everybody's talking about the schedule release. It's just the mastery <laughs> that the NFL has is, is truly unbelievable. Well, thank it's, goodness. There's nothing like it. There's nothing thank like goodness it the, the schedule will be released hours before the Nuggets play tonight. So we can all go through the hot Absolutely. takes of how we'll, uh, of how they'll go. Right. So it, it, it is interesting to see how all that shakes down. But I, I also think it's interesting. I guess let's stay on the Broncos for a minute. The Broncos have been making a lot of, Small moves, releasing a lot of guys in moves that seem to be bookkeeping related. And at this stage, obviously the salary cap, not a major concern, but it gives the indication that the Broncos are looking to maybe scour free agency and pick up a couple guys that might be fits at certain positions. So when you see all the little movements here and there, you know, they're saving a million dollars here, they're saving $900,000 here, they're saving $3 million here. Do you expect that they will make a significant move? with a, a player that maybe is a little more famous, or do you suspect under Sean Payton they'll simply be looking for some depth guys that they like at positions that they need? I mean, I think there's a couple positions they could possibly still strike big at. Um, and there's, you know, running back, I think, is, is still one of them. Ed Rusher is still one of them. But outside of that, what I think is really interesting is, you know, rookie minicamp, there's usually, what, 30 guys there. Um, from everything I've heard, there's going to be something close to 60 guys there. So that includes tryout players, veteran tryout players. We've seen all this stuff about how they're trying out XFL guys. I don't think I've ever seen a, a camp where there's this many tryout players. So I think that's really interesting, and this is something we really haven't seen on, on, on a Broncos team, right, in these 
mini camps in a long time. So I don't know. Is that from Sean Payton's year off and he watched a lot of football and he watched, I don't know what that is, but the fact that they have are just bringing in so many trial guys, that's very unusual and something we haven't seen. I'm curious to see how this unfolds, if there's some talent there that they feel like can step up that would really be, as you say, depth, um, I think a lot of, but I think that's interesting. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that, that part of it unfolds because that's, that's a big number. It is obviously a, a pretty significant number. And the as we kind of pivot back uh, to the Nuggets tonight, Romy, and appreciate we're talking with Romy Bean, uh, Romy underscore Bean on Twitter. Make sure you give her a follow if you're not already. Because, I mean, you're late to the party. There's already like 27,000 of your friends already following her, so you might as well get on it. But now with this uh, game six for the Nuggets tonight, if they don't happen to win this game and it comes back to game seven, uh does that feel like a failure given the reality, or is this just an understanding that, look, it's the playoffs, it's tough, you have two elite players in Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and then they're going to give everything they've got despite the fact they don't have any help? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, the hardest game, we all know this, is the closeout game. The team is fighting for their season. I think this is the perfect opportunity to close it out, but, you know, we also have seen Jamal Murray is questionable with an illness, so that could certainly be a big blow if, if Jamal can't play, he didn't participate in shoot-around. But even even if Jamal plays, I don't view that um, as a failure. I think this has been a fantastic series. Home court advantage has been incredibly real. I think the only big thing is it kind of would take some of that momentum. You know, when, when the Nuggets came into Game 5, they had this plan, right? Fix the transition defense, slow down Devin Booker, get more from the bench, let MPJ cook, knock down open threes. They did all of that. They did absolutely all of that masterfully in game five, which they failed to do in three and four. So it's a chance to build on that momentum, you know, put two, two in a row and get a road win. They're one and three um, on the road this postseason, six and oh at home. So I think it's confidence building as well to, to build that, to get that on the road, if you can get that win. But if they don't, no, I don't look at it as a failure. I think they get it done uh, in game seven, but I just think this would be a nice, another thing to build on as you head into a Western Conference final, if you can actually pull this off on the road. They are down a couple players, but no, not a failure just because elimination games are crazy. That's that's what makes seven-game series so fun. I guess going back a few years, the Nuggets were favored in the final year of the ABA because they had home court advantage in the ABA finals against Julius Irving and the Nets, who, of course, won the first game in Denver, and the rest of the series is a home court series, so the Nuggets were deprived even of an ABA title but certainly in the nba there has never been a month of may that's come and gone with the denver nuggets being installed as championship favorites before uh you you've been around this team and you're obviously getting a sense of uh the buzz around the city uh, it really does seem like the nuggets have that uh indefinable it factor that kind of buzz around them sense of magic that I can't say I've seen before in the playoffs mainly because the Lakers when they were really really good always seemed to be standing in the way uh well okay so this is twofold first of all and I was <laughs> I keep saying this I want the Lakers to win because I need the Nuggets and the Lakers to play in the Western Conference final that is like the dragon that the Nuggets have never been able to slay. That's exactly right. right. They've, They've never beaten the Lakers. Times. 
in his playoffs. Three times in the Western Conference Finals, they've never beaten them. I mean, this is like this is this is that dragon you have to slay if you want to win it all. For me, it's like it has to happen. I, and they've all been five games. Uh, they well, that the, the one is uh, George had them to six games in 2009. Uh, took the Lakers six games, but the other two times were five game series. They weren't even close. Right. So I mean, I, so that's but it feels like you know this year. They absolutely have the, the chance, the opportunity to do it. The team, the depth, you know, name it all. When they're cooking, they're cooking. Um, and so, for me, that's, that's the matchup I'm hoping for. Um, the other piece of that, though, that you mentioned, the magic. Um, this feels to me a lot like how the abs felt last year. Um, I get the same kind of feel, that same, if they play their game, they're good enough to beat anybody. Um, and, and we just experienced it last year, so that that feeling still feels very real, very alive. And I, I feel what I felt with the Avs last year, that kind of magic where it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win, but feels like they have what it takes to. I feel it with the Nuggets this year. I feel it around town, like you said, with the fans um, and with the team, the confidence that they have in their game and who they are and, and their, um, their ability to not get too high or too low in this playoffs. A very clear direction of where they want to go. And this, we haven't accomplished our goal by any means yet, game to game. All those similarities ring true. So that, for me, has been fascinating. We'll see if it can uh, end up in the same fashion. She is the one and only Romy Bean. Make sure you follow her on Twitter at Romy underscore Bean. The number, of course, uh, that's the Twitter handle in last year's Colorado Sportscaster of the Year. So always delighted to have Romy join us to talk about just a little bit of everything. And, and there you go, the first ever useful thing for the NFL schedule release. So especially there. Uh, appreciate it, Romy. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, guys. It's been such a treat. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we'll be joining us, of course, uh, to, to talk about the Nuggets and that, that schedule release that will happen today, uh, assuming it has not entirely been leaked on the Internet by then, uh, and there's a good chance that's happening. <laughs> good if you chance. Would, if you would like to know Ro- the Rumi Denver Broncos schedule, schedule, she's seen it. There's some people that have seen it. Yeah. If um, at, 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 They're called broadcast partners. What, what network has a... Yeah, you know, so that's how it goes. But the... Uh, if you really want to find out about it, you can just keep scouring, well, Twitter while you're at it. Follow Romy. And then you can find it most of the schedule because it's already out there. Surprise, surprise. The Denver Nuggets have a tremendous opportunity led by their MVP, Nikola Jokic. And uh, we'll have a chance to talk about him and talk about the way that uh, the Nuggets can close this out, as well as an interesting little note about the MVP voting. Give the NBA a ton of credit for its transparency. Now we know who wasn't watching any basketball this year. I'll tell you about it next. Plus, Coach George Carl will join us to talk about the Nuggets as well right here on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. We're looking to have Coach George Carl join us in just a couple minutes. But, of course, one of the interesting narratives about Nikola Jokic's, uh, hesitate to say, failure, not winning his third MVP in a row, which was not a failure by any stretch of the imagination, finishing second, to Joel Embiid as he did, but there are always some peculiarities. And one of these things that happens with this baseball hall of fame 
uh, whatever, right? Or MVP votes or in MVP baseball, votes, historically. Uh, there ends up being sort of this uh, opaqueness in which you can't really find out who did what. Well, give credit to the NBA, who, who this year, over on their, on their website, at least for the media side, the NBA Communications page, uh, put all of the votes for every single one of the award from all of the voters in order Good for them. and made them available. So we know who the voters are. We know who the voters are. We know who they voted for and in what order for every single award, which is great. That transparency is valuable. Now, one voter left Nikola Jokic off of the ballot entirely. This particular voter, what, what Joel Embiid, number one, okay, no problem with that. Giannis, number two, no problem with that either. Jason Tato, number three, eh, that peaked in January, but okay. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Sandy, you probably don't hate that, but maybe not at the top five. No, he, then, he'd be four or five for me. Donovan Mitchell, mm, I, I know Cleveland had an interesting year, but but no Jokic on it at all is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> and if you think it's ridiculous, don't then, uh, that's fine, but you don't have to take my word for it. This was at the NBA on TNT show with Charles Barkley a few days uh, after it was revealed that Jokic was left off one ballot. I got it's something that's been bothering me. You know, Joel deserved MVP, and Joker and Giannis, they were one, two, three, whoever you voted. But there's one person, I don't even know this fool's name, didn't even have Joker in the top five. Like, people like that shouldn't get a vote. You got to hope that it was just an oversight or no, some kind no, of a tabulation no, thing, no. and that a guy wouldn't consciously say, Ernie, no, he's Ernie, not in the Ernie, top Ernie. five. For the that's la- what I'm just, Ernie, that's, for that the would last, be my hope. I understand. For the last six months, we talked about Joker, Giannis, and Embiid. If you have a television or you actually watch basketball, if you don't think he should have been in the top five, you don't deserve to vote. I mean, you'd be like some of these fools we'd be letting vote for president out here. I'm hoping it was some type of a clerical error or some t- or some kind. There's a, that, There's got to be a good reason for it. I yeah, would he's hope. a damn idiot. I that hope there was idiot. a better reason than that. That, of course, Barkley and Ernie Johnson. Uh, there's not, by the way, a better reason. Well, we know who that person is because the NBA made it uh, transparent. That person played 52 games uh, for the Denver Nuggets back in the 96-97 season. Not exactly memorable games either. Not memorable. And uh, that person, though, does watch an awful lot of basketball. That would be one Mark Jackson from ESPN. I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. Um. My regard for Mark Jackson is very slight. It was that way as a player. Um, He got a lot of notoriety during his college career because he played in New York. He played for St. John's when St. John's was actually pretty good. But the star of those teams was never Mark Jackson. Those teams were good. Mark Jackson was a good college player. Hardly a great one. Nobody ever considered him to be a great player any more than anyone ever, ever considered him more than a pretty good NBA guard. Well, Mark Jackson's 
who happened teams. to play on some exceptionally good teams. They didn't give Charles Barkley any trouble. Barkley in his career against Mark Jackson teams averaged 25 points, 12.7 right. boards well, uh, yeah, against yeah, them. And I get they weren't guarding they were, each they, other. They weren't guarding. But, uh, but there's some familiarity between the two men, and it would be uh, interesting yes, to see uh, yes. where that well, goes. They wait, played against each other I for 33 games as pros. Charles is a stand-up guy, and now that it's out, I, Charles made that statement, I think, assuming it was a writer. Yep. Uh, he constantly derides and writers. You, and you know what? We some, a writer. some of whom deserve it and some of whom don't. And in that case, he was talking about taking away a vote from a writer or a broadcaster who was not an NBA player, who was not a prominent name even, was just some bozo or from Boston or Philadelphia who didn't happen to like not a former head Nikola coach Jokic. not a former, not a NBA former head, coach. head coach and a reasonably prominent for largely the wrong reasons a reasonably prominent player if quite an overrated one we have an opportunity to speak to a uh, a more prominent NBA coach uh, in that regard <laughs> yes. of course we're delighted to be joined uh, by coach George Carl at the Smith Hall of Famer as uh, you all know Colorado Sports Hall of Fame but so many halls of fame as well deserved absolutely and uh uh, george thank you coach for joining us uh obviously you work with sandy on the truth and basketball podcast and uh, the nuggets have an opportunity to do something they have only done a couple times before and that is get a berth in the western conference finals tonight and do it now with deandre ayton expected to be out as well as chris paul Uh, i'll give you the same number i gave sandy expected to play for the suns tonight the third leading scorer, and I'm not meaning total points, is Landry Shamit, who in the series has scored a grand total of 32. Uh, what can the Suns do to compete against the Nuggets, even if they don't happen to have Jamal Murray, who feels under the weather? Uh, I think the biggest thing that I'd be really focusing on is don't let a three-point shooter get loose. I mean, uh, you're going to have to put up with Booker and Durant's greatness. But the other guys, the, uh, the Rosses and the uh, Janets and maybe even someone else, you know, you don't want to get them. Uh, I mean, if, if Denver wins the three-point shooting contest, I think they're going to win the game. Right. That's how important I think it is right now. Um, Aiden, uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I really think that helps too because – I mean, the other, there are other reserve bigs. They play hard. They try hard. But they just don't have the athleticism that Aiden has. And I don't know what's wrong with that kid. But the mystery game, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he has broken ribs or something like that. But all I know is in the old days, we would shoot that up. And it, you, don't, you don't feel it then until after the game. And it really right. hurts after the game. But uh, that. I'm just kind of amazed that the biggest game of maybe Phoenix's career, geez, I mean, I mean, other than one of the finals, I mean, this is a big time for him. And, um, I'm, I'm happy because I think that the Nuggets now have, not only should be favorites, should probably win this game. And uh, it gives them maybe a couple of days of rest that uh, the Lakers or Warriors aren't going to get. Truth and Basketball is out, our latest edition. We uh, uh, talked this morning, Coach, about uh, your notion that the three most consequential players in these playoffs 
have been Nikola Jokic, uh, LeBron James, and uh, I don't know that we specifically mentioned Jimmy Butler, but I'm assuming you agree that Jimmy Butler's been pretty prominent for the, the one upstart team there seems to be in these playoffs that's surprising people, and that would be the, the Miami Heat. Um, but you put Jokic on the top of your list. Why? Why is because he's, it's no nonsense. I think he has a, a drive not, not winning a championship. And my, I don't think Butler's ever won a championship either, but no. Butler's team isn't, isn't probably good enough to win a championship. Right. I mean, it's a marvelous story. But they, they, their lack of talent is going to show somewhere along the line, even maybe in the next game against the Knicks. So I think Jokic's leadership right now, his mental leadership and his mental toughness, are things that coaches talk about a lot. But in seven-game series, it's like we're going through right now, you know who has it, and you know who doesn't have it. And right now, even though I I, I, I I trust LeBron, he is just not as into the, every possession, every minute of every playoff game like Jokic is. And not only does Jokic lead them in their mental toughness, he makes other guys mentally tough. And I just, I, I marvel at what he does for the last three or four or five years. But what he's doing in this playoffs where Whatever it takes to win, he can do. He can rebound. He can pass it. He can score it. He can make the three. He can post up underneath the basket. And he demands his team play at a high, high level of intensity. And tonight's game, I think, really right now is Ben Denver. I mean, Phoenix is going to hit him with a punch. They're going to be emotionally ready. They're going to be fired up. The crowd's going to be crazy. But... If they handle that, and as the game gets into the third quarter, and then at the end of the third, early fourth, if Denver is still hanging around, I think I think they'll figure out how to win the game. We were talking before we brought you on about the uh, NBA itself through NBA.com having revealed a list of how every one of the MVP voters uh, voted. And we played a clip from Charles Barkley, who, without knowing who that individual was, a few days after the MVP vote came out, spoke up uh, for the NBA on TNT and uh, essentially suggested that the person who left Jokic off his or her ballot entirely should not ever be permitted to vote for the award again. And uh, surprise, surprise, it turns out to be your close friend, Mark Jackson. Are you surprised? Uh, you know, my initial reaction as a basketball person, I'm shocked. As a, a person in our, our crazy world right now, I'm saddened, but probably not shocked. But how you can look at Jokic's performance over the last three or four years and deny him recognition and appreciation is beyond my mind. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I'm a coach that loves athletes. 
I'm a coach that loves long, long, fast, quick black athletes, and they're great. But Jokic plays a game of basketball so simple but so so good. And every year I'm expecting him to slow down or, or lose something, and he doesn't do it. His game gets better. It seems easier for him, and his team is growing. Now I'm, I'm just excited because I think everybody's realizing they're, they're probably the number one team right now in the NBA. And how they sustain that, they still got a lot of work to do. But a lot of it, I mean, so much of it lays on Jokic's shoulders and his commitment to do it here in Denver is a marvelous gift to the city of Denver. Well said. And I'm trying to think, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I'm, I'm assuming you might agree. I'm trying to think of a comp, a comparable player to Nikola Jokic. And I'm really struggling to do that. But the closest I can come up with uh, is a guy whose literal nickname was the big fundamental, and that would be Tim right. Duncan. Does Jokic remind you of Duncan, or Duncan remind you of Jokic in any real way? Uh, well, I, I've had that conversation with other coaches and other players throughout the years. And my comparison is Jokic, Jokic reminds me of Duncan and Bird, a cross of both of them. Because Bird could go outside and was probably better outside than inside. But today's game, the big guy, there's very few big guys who can go outside and survive. Not only dominate, but survive. Because it's an unnatural place for them. And their their angles and their defensive presence and their intangibles just don't come out when for 80% of their life they played underneath the basket. And now they're going outside. Jokic has gotten better by going outside. And I know he played point guard when he was younger. And I think it shows in his game all night long. And so I would compare him to Duncan and a little bit of Larry Bird. Because Duncan was, was a good passer, but not a great passer. I think Jokic is the best passer in the NBA today. I think no one does it better than him. Point guards, forwards, centers, he is the best passer in the game today. His instincts, his, uh, his, his, his nuances that he sees in a game is amazing. The only other guy I compare him to when I coached was John Stockton. Stockton, every game I ever watched on video of John Stockton, he would do something, and you'd run it back, and you go, you believe he saw that? You believe he made that play? And that's what Jokic does. Maybe not on every game, but he does it on probably every a weekly day, a weekly basis in the NBA. He is George Carl, of course. Uh, you know him as a coach of Denver Douglas, a coach of uh, well, 
as we said, Naismith Hall of Famer, Colorado Hall of Famer. And, of course, delighted to have him on the Truth of Basketball podcast with Sandy. Uh, and you can catch that uh, really wherever you want any of the podcasts, part of the Truth Plus Media Company. Should be he up has. right now. Podcast on sports, uh, leadership, human performance. You can find him at truthplusmedia.com, and you can get those at Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, everywhere you get it. And uh, make sure you check out the latest and good listening pre-game six. And, Coach, uh, uh, looking forward to talking to you next time when uh, hopefully – the Denver Nuggets may very well be in the Western Conference Finals again uh, for what would be their fifth time in their history. It might be the fourth against the Lakers, so that could be fascinating as well. Thanks so much. Well, I'm nervous. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little <laughs> nervous. I can't wait. 8 o'clock won't come fast enough. Well, that's the truth. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Coach. Uh, he is not... guys. Thank you. He's not wrong about that. And I, uh, I, will, I will say one thing about those comparisons because uh, I, I've, I've made this comparison for a while. Um, I also want to throw in Magic Johnson, and here's, here's why. Because Magic brought in this positionless, a point guard, uh, yeah. and a, yeah, but turned yeah, it into good, a positionless role. Yep. And Well, he played center. Right, in the finals. Kareem was hurt. In the NBA Finals, in the concluding game of the NBA Finals in 1980. And Jokic is turning the center into something of a positionless a, position. A point center. And if, Who and ever if, heard of a point center? He has now done it for long enough of a time, even though he is still comparatively young, that if you watched just the recent March Madness tournament, centers aren't trying to be Shaq anymore. They're not trying to be DeAndre Ayton. They're trying to be Nikola Jokic. He is quite literally transforming the game of basketball in a way that I don't believe I've seen since Magic Johnson. Well, look at the kid who just transferred from Michigan to Kansas, and you'll see, I think, although this kid isn't Jokic, you'll see the Jokic influence on the development of his game. This was uh, growing up a traditional low-post big man, seven-footer, who has now broadened his game to include the three ball. And that doesn't happen without Nikola Jokic. At least it doesn't happen to as many players as it is happening to now who are built similarly to the way Nikola Jokic is built. And uh, I will say one thing before we break. George has a lot more class than I would have. And talking about Mark Jackson leaving let's Jokic just say, off let's just say the, uh, around at least the internet, but my cursory uh, internet searches during yes, the program. a lot more class than the, uh, the clown emoji seems to be rather prevalent on social media in regard to uh, Mark Jackson at this stage. We'll take a look at what the Denver Nuggets can do to close things out. It feels like they have a golden opportunity. And when golden opportunities land in your hands, I don't care if they could have Game 7 in Denver. You don't like to fumble them. What can the Nuggets do to make sure they close out the Suns tonight? We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Nice 
The Denver Nuggets have a chance to get it all done tonight to go to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is out with a rib contusion. Make of that what you will. Contusion, by the way, fancy medical term yeah, for a he's, bruise. He's definitely out now, which may, makes me even more convinced that uh, not only does he not particularly want to play, but the Suns don't especially want to play him either. And you wonder what that means for the rest of the Suns, quite frankly. But uh, they will not have Aiton. They will not have Paul. It is it is um, Devin and Kevin against the world tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we will see what the Denver Nuggets bring. Now, they may not have Jamal Murray. True. Jamal Murray is questionable with a non-COVID illness. Uh, we have no idea what it is, but as, as Sandy's correctly mentioned, around the league, there has actually been a bit of like a stomach bug. You've oh, it's been going effect. around locker rooms. Right. You've seen that. So who knows? Uh, but uh, but I, I think the point you made was really uh, important, Sandy, especially when you're talking about Jamal Murray and uh, play him full minutes tonight if he feels up to it or don't play him at all. Yeah, uh, that, I guess. Uh, Just don't, you know, don't I, mess with your rotation. I thought, uh, yeah, I, I thought, you know, maybe there's a middle ground. But, again, you're up 3-2. Yeah. You're not down 3-2. And if you're down 3-2, you have to let him go instead and of, see what he can do. Playing but you don't sick, have to do it. Don't make, don't make yeah. a guy play yeah. sick, right. and then he's going right. to need to play again in right. a couple days. Uh, forget right. it. Right. If, he, if he's not about, ready, and, then and, don't play. And, and I, I, I'm assuming it's something that would be, put at risk of hygration levels and so on, and you don't want to make it worse. No, I, I wouldn't. I, I, I'd come around to your point of view on that. What what I haven't changed is my view that you start Reggie Jackson, you don't disturb the bench rotation. Now, Porter's out, you start Bruce Brown. We saw that earlier in the year when Porter missed games. That's fine. Uh, I don't replace Jamal Murray with Bruce Brown. I want Bruce Brown in playing exactly the sixth the role man role. He's in. Right. That, exactly the role he's in. And then I want uh, Brown and Green, Christian Brown and Green, or Green and Christian Brown coming in after that. I, I don't want any one of those, including Christian Brown, starting either. I'd start Reggie Jackson. If he's struggling, uh, bring in a Smith uh, maybe first uh, to replace Reggie Jackson. But you're not asking Reggie Jackson – to guard Devin Booker, you're asking him to guard Cameron Payne now that we know Paul's not playing, which we sort of knew before, but now it's official he won't play. Is it too much to ask Reggie Jackson to guard Cameron Payne or even a Smith to guard Cameron Payne? I think not. No, I don't think so. And I know Payne has speed, and I know he plays better at home than he does on the road. And he scored 26 I points in this series think, total. I don't think you're losing that much. 26 points. When you ask Reggie Jackson to guard Cameron Payne as opposed to Jamal Murray or even Ish Smith to guard Cameron Payne as opposed to Jamal Murray or Reggie Jackson. I just don't think it. I don't think Cameron Payne is a guy who's going to decide the game. Now, I do agree with George on the idea that they have a couple of three point threats beyond Booker and Durant uh, and and even Booker and Durant aren't great three-point shooters. They're more mid-range guys, go to the basket, get to the foul line, and so on. Uh, the kinds of things you really do, especially the, the foul line stuff, you, you don't want Phoenix at the foul line more than maybe 12 to 15 times tonight. But they do have Warren, who can hit the three. They do have Shamit, who can hit the three. And they have Ross, who can hit the three. 
those are the guys defensively I chase off the three-point line and make you and and, and make them beat you. And that's you what George Carl said too. Way. Just don't let a uh, don't let a three-point shooter get loose. Don't and, and he said if the Nuggets win the three ball, they win the game. I agree with that, but they have other ways to win the game and I wouldn't want to turn it into a marksmanship contest especially when you're missing likely in Murray, Murray. one of your best three-point shooters. Yeah. So the Nuggets stand a, uh, a very good chance tonight. Of course, tip-off expected to be roughly eight, the second game uh, on TNT tonight. We will find out more about it. And uh, uh, in case you haven't already looked on the Internet, find it all and assemble it. The NFL schedule is coming out, which also cool. I guess we'll talk about it tomorrow because uh, I guess I think it's a rule, right? If you're in Sports Talk Radio, you yeah. have to, like, pay it some sort of lip service. I, I don't think it's a rule, though, that you have to go game by game and analyze everything and Are you come kidding? up with – a serious uh, projection. We'll, we'll come up with an unserious I was, projection. I was looking forward to on how many games they know, win and how many they. That was lose. that's sort of the equivalent for me. Was like one of those finals you don't have to study for. You can just kind of show exactly. up and do it. Just I, show up. I was looking forward to that. I take a fly. So I have to work tomorrow. Is what you're saying? But if you okay. think right now the Broncos are going nine and eight, I I don't want to hear you, Sean, or anybody <laughs> else say. Well, now that the schedules come out. I'll go to 11 and 6. Because that back to back game against blah, 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 blah. And no, the games are back to back in the NFL. Stop it. The week between all of them. Goodness gracious. Well, most of them. Most of them. Close enough. Pay attention to the Nuggets tonight. It will be a tremendous amount of fun. Thanks to Romy Bean for joining us. Thanks to Coach George Carl for joining us. Of course, find a better duo than that. Uh, Danny Bailey and and uh, Andrew Denver back in the booth. Of course, our dynamic duo in the booth that makes everything sound so good. We're going to hand things off to our friends at Afternoon Drive. Cody Rourke and Anilo Piro coming up next. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Uh, stay dry. Good luck with that. And uh, stay safe. We'll be back tomorrow, hopefully talking about your Denver Nuggets. Winning game six tomorrow. We keep it right here. For Sandy, I'm Sean. This is My Life Sports. I was on my way. Much obliged for such a pleasant stay. But now it's time for me to go. The autumn moonlight's my way. But now I